Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You can also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. My name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are honored that you've chosen to start your week off by worshiping with us here at Quad City Christian Church. I want to welcome those who are joining us online from whenever and wherever you are. I look forward to the day when we get to worship together in 3D. And so I uh, invite you to come join at one of our campuses. And speaking of campuses, let me welcome in those in Prescott Valley right now. I'm so grateful uh, to have had the opportunity to come and hang out with you guys Last Sunday, it was an amazing time together and so grateful for you. And I just want to say to those of you in Prescott Valley, like I am, we could not do what we do were it not for you volunteers. So for those of you who don't know, our Prescott Valley campus, we're doing set up and tear down in a school and it's the volunteers who show up early and set it up and they stay late and tear it down and make that thing happen every week. So hundreds of people get to worship out there. So thank you to all of you volunteers. And I just want to say that same thing happens here, by the way, here at the Prescott campus. It is volunteers that make this thing happen every Sunday. And we, we need every single one of them, and we need some more. And so we would invite you to come and join one of our teams. Like, we need greeters and ushers and safety and hospitality and children's ministry. Like, every area of our ministry, prayer team, volunteers, we We're always looking for people who love Jesus and want to serve his church to help people get connected uh, to Christ and his church. So we need you. And so I love what Jonna said in that video. Like, it is one of the best ways to get connected. Like, when you're spending time week after week serving beside people, they get to know you, you get to know them. It is a face that somebody loves me and knows me. And so we want to invite you to do that. Um, We got a website on the screen that you can jump into, grab our app, go to Connection Central. There's volunteers here that can help you know, uh, answer any questions that you have about what it might look like to serve uh, somewhere here at Quad City. And one of the things that we've got to own is we've not always done a very good job of getting people connected. Like they'll say, hey, I want to get in, and then they fall through the cracks. We've got a whole new system in place to make sure that that doesn't happen to the best of our abilities. So if you've signed up in the past and said, well, nobody called me, you're right. We didn't. We, we messed it up. So give us another chance, okay? We'd love to have you come and serve and be a part. Okay, so we are diving in 
to Romans chapter 1. So if you're a newcomer with us, we're doing this series through the book of Romans and want to invite you to come along with us today. Um, I shared with you a few weeks ago kind of a, a bit of an outline of the book of Romans. So the first 17 verses is the introduction. We call it, hey you, it's just Paul kind of introducing himself, saying hi to the church in Rome. And then I said, once we get past 17, we're going to enter into the bad news. Like that's where we're going today. So we're making a shift from the intro to the bad news. And you just need to know it's, it's going to get bad, okay? And the good, the good thing is that we will glory in the good news when we feel the weight of the bad news. Like that's what's going to happen over the next three chapters is Paul's just going to tell us just how awful we really are. The reality is if I teach this correctly, I will demoralize all of you. And that's the point. That's exactly what Paul's trying to accomplish in these first few chapters. It is bad news. Over the next couple of chapters, Paul is going to give a very detailed autopsy of, a, of the gruesome effects of sin in our life. And you're not going to like it. I don't like it. It's going to get bad, but it's real and it's true. And only when we feel the full weight of the bad news Will the good news feel so glorious when we get to it? So here's my ask. Hang in there with me, okay? It's gonna get bad. So bring a cup and a helmet and we'll make it through this thing together, okay? That's where we're going. Today, we're gonna read our text. So we said in this series that we want to read the entire book of Romans from the platform as uh, as we go through this series. So if you're able, I'm gonna invite you to stand right where you are. You can grab your Bibles or grab your notebook. By the way, if you have your Romans notebook, uh, the next section, September section, is in the lobby on the table or there in Prescott Valley. You can grab them as well. Uh, go pick those up before you leave. Uh, today, our reading is gonna be, I think it's on page 22 of your book, uh, Romans chapter one. We're gonna read 18 through 25 today. And here's how it goes. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their Foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity 
for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this word, and I pray today that you would use it through the power of your spirit to transform our hearts today. Help us to see your truth revealed to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we're not even through chapter one, and we're beginning to swim in some deep waters. And so we're just going to start back at verse 18, and we're going to walk through this text and uh, see what Paul has to teach us today. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, we need to pause for just a moment because there's actually a word missing here, okay? There's a word in the Greek that is not in this verse that needs to be in this verse, okay? So if you're a newcomer here or if you've been around a while, you probably know we preach and teach from the NIV version of the Bible, and it is a great translation. Every translation, English translation, has strengths and weaknesses. They all come from the Greek language, and so when you're bringing them over, you can't just take all of those words in Greek and put them into English and have the thing make sense. It doesn't work that way. We have to translate it in a way that we can understand it. All the English translations do it a little bit different. They all have strengths, they all have weaknesses, but they're all good, so whichever one you'll read, it's good. However, let me share one thing about the NIV that does make me a little crazy at times, that they will sometimes leave out this little Greek word called gar, G-A-R, gar. It is a connecting word. It means for or because, and they will often leave it out because there's a reason they do it. It's because in the original Greek language, there was no punctuation. So they didn't have question marks and periods and space indentations at the beginning of a paragraph. So to separate one thought from another, they would use this little word, gar, to just make sure that you realize we're on to a next sentence, we're on to a next paragraph. It was the punctuation that they would use. And so the translators of the NIV says, you know what, we don't need to put all of those in there because we do have space indentations at paragraphs and periods at the end. So we don't need to duplicate that. However, there are times where that word matters and sometimes they leave it out and they shouldn't and I believe that that's one, this is one of those cases. So let me back up to verse 17. This is where Pastor Kenny left us off last week. It says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the thesis statement of the whole book of Romans. This is what he's trying to teach us, that God has revealed a gospel that is by faith. Good news, by faith in Jesus. This is the thesis statement of the entire book, okay? So if you didn't write that down, write that down. This is the whole thing. Everything else is coming back to this. So this is where he left off. And we jump in here to verse 18, and it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And my guess is, in your Bible, right in here, between these two verses, there's a big space. There's a paragraph, 
There's likely a header in there which causes us, whether we think about it or not, mentally to separate one section from the other. You just need to know Paul didn't put that in there. Your Bible publisher put that in there for your convenience. But what happens is it creates a divide between these two thoughts that don't need to be divided. That little Greek word is right here. It says, for the wrath of God or because of the wrath of God. And what it does is it connects this wrath of God being revealed with the righteousness of God that was revealed. What he's saying is, look, Here's the good news. A righteousness of God has been revealed and we need to know that there's a righteousness from God that has been revealed because the wrath of God, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness. We can't separate these two thoughts. What makes, what makes this so glorious that there's a righteousness being revealed is because the wrath of God is already being revealed. Not will be revealed one day. It's already being revealed, which is why we have to have a righteousness of God that is being revealed. And it's being revealed. Why is there a wrath of God being revealed from heaven? Here's why. Because of all of the godlessness and wickedness of people. Godlessness and wickedness of people is causing the wrath of God to be revealed now. Godlessness, meaning living as if God doesn't exist. Godlessness, there is no God. We're just gonna live as if there is no God. That's godlessness. Let's make sure that we're making this personal today. Is there anybody in here willing to admit today that there are times in your life where you live as if God doesn't exist? That your life and your time and your money and your words, you live as if there is no God that you're going to have to give an account to one day. That's godlessness. And because there are people who live like that, the wrath of God is being revealed. And tag on to that, the wickedness of people. And wickedness is, I don't care that there's a God. Godlessness is, I live as if he doesn't exist. Wickedness is, I don't care that he exists. I'm just gonna live how I want to live no matter what. And because of these things, the wrath of God is being revealed on those who suppress the truth, suppress it, push it down. It's not as if they don't know the truth or even believe the truth, it's that they suppress the truth. It's not that they don't know, it's they don't wanna know. There are times where, where they just, it's not that they haven't heard it, it's just they don't want to hear it. It doesn't make the truth less true, it's just I'm gonna push it aside. Paul will tell us that the reality is everybody knows that God exists. Everybody knows. Every culture in every nation from the beginning of time has worshiped a God. They all know, every person who's ever existed knows that there is something bigger, something better, something badder than any of us that is out there. Everyone knows it, even if they deny it. How do they know? Here's the good news. Here's how they know. Because before God revealed his wrath, 
And before God needed to reveal his righteousness, God chose to reveal himself. Before he revealed his wrath, before a need for the righteousness, God revealed himself. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. It's plain because God has made it plain to them. Before he revealed his wrath, before he revealed his righteousness, he revealed himself. He made himself plainly known to everyone. How did he do that? For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, these parts of God that we can't see with our eyes, his invisible qualities, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Have you ever noticed in your Bible, the Bible never tries to convince you that God exists? Never once. Ever. You know how the Bible begins? First four words of the Bible? In the beginning, God. Doesn't try to tell you that's true. It just states the fact. In the beginning, God. There's no defense for that. It's just a known commodity. In the beginning, God. Doesn't ever try to convince you. He just is. And the way that we know he is is because there is anything else. The way that you know God exists is because anything else exists. Here's here's what we know. Everything that we see has to come from something. Nothing comes from nothing. Everything has to come from something. Even if you believe in evolution, you have to get to the place where you go back in time. Something had to be there for the Big Bang to happen. There had to be something that created the Big Bang. There had to be some elements that banged together that started the whole thing. Something had to be there from the beginning. Nothing comes from nothing. Something has to be there from the beginning. Okay? Which means that whatever created that something had to be outside of the something that was created. Like if, if, if we now have space and time and matter, whatever creates space and time and matter has to, by definition, be outside of space and time and matter. Something from inside space, time, and matter can't create space, time, and matter. It has to be outside of it. The fact that there is anything points to something outside of everything that we know. And just as a painting tells us something of its painter, a building tells us something of the builder, a baby tells us something of its parents, Paul says what we see in creation reveals something of the God who created it. How many of you have uh, seen or heard of the James Webb Space Telescope? Anybody y'all heard about that? 
Okay, not as many as I had hoped. Okay, for those of you who haven't, it's been in the news, welcome. It's, it was launched earlier this year. It is a space telescope that is meant to replace the famed Hubble telescope. And the pictures from this telescope, much more powerful than Hubble, it's the most powerful telescope we've ever seen. It was launched early this year, and the pictures have just been coming out over the last couple of weeks. And I just want to show you one of them, okay? This is an image, one of the first images that they released. What you're looking at here in this picture are not individual stars. What you're seeing in this image are thousands of galaxies, Thousands of galaxies. They didn't get excited at eight. Y'all should get excited. You could, thousands of galaxies. This is what's called a deep space field where they just took a picture and just kept zooming in and zooming in as far as they could. Each of these are galaxies. And we could, we could zoom in and you can start seeing all the spirals that come out of them. Like there are thousands of them in this picture. And the redder they are, the farther they are away. Some of these are billions of light years away. They are billions of light years across. This image is huge. What you're looking at is unprecedented. The things that they are seeing out of this telescope, you should go Google it up today and be amazed. Now, here's the amazing part about this image for me. When they released this image, the scientist said, when you walk outside, what you need to recognize is this is not what's happening out here somewhere. That's, this is not a picture. You go outside tonight. This is not, wow, that's all out here. No, 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 no. No. They said, you take a grain of sand, put it on the end of your finger, and you hold your finger at arm's length. What's in this picture is what is hidden by that piece of sand. Thousands of galaxies are hidden behind a piece of sand at your fingertip. And if this is the creation, and he's put thousands of galaxies that can hide them by a piece of sand, what does that tell you about the bigness of the one who created it? We don't even know what's out here. It is utterly unfathomable that this exists. And it speaks to this invisible God who created it all. Paul says his invisible qualities are seen by what has been made, namely his eternal power and divine nature. His eternal power, because for there to be anything, something has to be eternal. There has to be an uncaused cause. Something had to be first. And what we know, the law of cause and effect, the cause can never, ever, ever be greater than the effect. That's a law of physics. The cause is always as big or greater than the effect. Always. And if this is the cause, if this is the cause, how great is the effect? 
It tells us about our creator. And we could put down the telescope and pick up a microscope and see his grandeur in DNA or an eyeball or the water molecule. Like it all speaks to the grandness and greatness of God. It all screams out that there is a creator. And it's not that people can't see it. It's people don't want to see it. And so they suppress the truth. They suppress it. And they choose instead to walk around with blinders on their eyes because they don't want to see a God that they will have to answer to. But this isn't new. It's been happening since the beginning of time. Yet God revealed himself so plainly in his creation that Paul declares that every person is without excuse. They're without excuse. Which answers a question that pastors like me get a lot of times. Where people will come up to me and say, well, what about all those people who haven't heard? What about all those people who haven't heard about Jesus? What about all those people who haven't got a Bible? What about all those people who never seen a church? Or what about all those people? It's a question that we get. What about them? Often people will use this as an argument to justify why they don't believe in God. Well, I don't want to believe in a God because if he's going to punish people who haven't heard, then I can't believe in a God like that. So what about them? To which Paul would say, well, what about them? They may not have received everything that God has revealed, namely his word or the gospel yet. They may not have received everything that God has revealed, but they've received enough. Through what they can see on the outside where God has plainly revealed himself through the creation and through the conscience, as we'll see in chapter two, the conscience that's on the inside, through what's external that they can see in creation, the conscience that he's given them on the inside, they have enough to know that there is a God and that we are gonna be accountable to him. What's interesting to me is that every time in my 25 years of ministry, every time that come, somebody comes up and asks me that question, well, what about those people who've never heard? Every time, 100% of the time, the person asking me has heard. And they got 10 Bibles available to them at an arm's reach. They have heard. And it becomes a smokescreen of why it is that they do not want to submit to the word of God and follow after Jesus. Because even though they've got the Bible, they've got the gospel, they've got the church, they've got Charles Stanley and Veggie Tales in their pocket, they've got, they've got everything that they would need to have the revelation of God before their eyes. It's not that they don't see, it's they don't want to see. And Paul says on that day when we all stand before our creator, there's not gonna be one person who has ever existed that will have an excuse for why they chose not to submit to him. But, the, but there are consequences that come with covering your eyes and suppressing the truth. There are consequences that come and those consequences aren't something that will be only experienced someday. They are being experienced right now. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven right now. For although they knew God, they knew. They neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. I want to point out the pronouns here. This is really important. As you go through this text, notice what they, 
they, their, their, they, they. And you can go all the way down through the beginning of verse 18 all the way down to verse 32, and this is what you're going to find. He's talking about they, they, they all the way through because Paul's talking about people who are not in the church. These are not people who are listening to someone read this. He's talking about those Gentiles who are outside of the church, those heathens who have suppressed the truth by their wickedness. These are people who have not read the Torah. They've never heard the gospel. They are people in the Greco-Roman world who have worshiped anything and everything except for the one true God. They are the unbelieving Gentiles. They haven't received all that God has revealed But they have received enough, Paul says. And they're gonna be held accountable for what they have had revealed to them through their creation and through their conscience, even if they try to convince themselves otherwise. Although they knew, they knew, they knew there's something more than what we see. They suppressed that truth and they gave no glory to God and there's a consequence of suppressing that truth of giving God no glory, they giving God no thanks or credit or gratitude. There's consequences that come with that. And the consequences is their foolish hearts were darkened. They thought they were wise, but they were actually fools. Because here's the truth you need to hear today. Because if you keep yourself in the dark long enough, the reality is you will actually lose the ability to see. If you keep yourself in the dark long enough, you will actually lose the ability to see. And that's what they've done. But not just that. If you tell yourself enough lies, eventually you won't be able to recognize the truth. Like you can lie to yourself long enough that you'll actually believe your own lie. If you surround yourself only with fools, eventually you'll believe that they're wise because you won't know any different. If you harden your heart long enough, there will come a day where you won't feel a thing. These are the consequences. These are the passive wrath of God. When we cover our eyes and we harden our hearts, and we choose to suppress the truth. These are the consequences. God allows the the, the result of our actions to affect our life. They knew that God exists, but they suppressed it. So eventually their hearts and minds were hard and darkened. They became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Don't miss this. So important for us to understand. Just because you choose not to worship the creator God, the one true God, does not mean you are not a worshiper. You just need to know that. You are wired as a human being to be a worshiper. Worship simply means you give glory and honor and esteem to something. That's what worship is. And you do that every single day of your life. Like every day. Worship is giving glory and honor to something and you never cease being a worshiper. 
every single day, you are pouring out worth and value and esteem to something. Every day, you are worshiping and giving glory to something with your words and with your wallet, with your time and with your influence, with your energy and with your emotions, with your investments and with your internet history. You are giving worth and value and esteem to something. The question is never, are you a worshiper? The question is always, what are you worshiping? You are always worshiping something or someone. And these people exchanged the object of their worship. It wasn't that they stopped worshiping. No, no, no. They just exchanged it. And you'll do the same thing. You won't stop worshiping. You'll just choose to worship something else. They exchanged the glory that should be given to an immortal God, and they chose instead to give that glory to mortals, to to human beings and birds and images of reptiles and animals that they created with their own hands. They exchanged, you'll see this word, they exchanged, you'll see this word pop up three times in this one chapter. They exchanged, they exchanged the glory of God, the worship, to create something to worship. They didn't worship the creator, they worshiped the creation instead. And I read that and I think, Aren't you so glad that we are so much more advanced as human beings that we would move beyond the worship of idols? Six people realize the sarcasm in that. You aren't that advanced. We do this all the time. When I was writing this sermon, I literally took three minutes and I just jotted down a few of the idols that just popped off of my head almost instantly. Let me just share with you a few of our idols. We've made education an idol, getting the right grades and going to the right school so I can get the right piece of paper to put it on my wall. We've made it an idol. We've made our jobs an idol. It gets all of my time and my energy. I gotta get the right position in the right city with the right company so I can get the right office and the right title. We pour our lives out climbing the corporate ladder and many of you are on the other side of that work career and you got to the top of the ladder and you realized, oh no, I put my ladder against the wrong wall because I got to the top and it's pretty empty up here. We made an idol. We lived our life to get it, and it was nothing on the other end. We've made an idol of our kids. Like we pushed them to get all the milestones as soon as possible to walk and to read and to be potty trained, not because of what it does for them, but actually because of how it makes us feel. We get them into the best schools so they can have the best opportunity, and we idolize them through the way that we spend our time and our calendars and our weekend and our money to get them into the right team with the right tournament to do the right thing so they can get the right scholarship that never actually gets offered to your kid. We make an idol of our spouse. I mean, you just got to hear me today. They are not your savior. He will not complete you. We make an idol out of comfort. 
We idolize comfort. Like getting everything that we want every time we want it, exactly when we want it. I mean, come on, especially in the Quad City area. We live, we built our community on retirees and tourists. We bow down to the altar of comfort because it pays the bills. We make an idol out of our possessions. It's our home, it's our house. We make an idol out of it. And then you add on the the rolling house and the floating house and the, the old car and the new car and the vintage car and the restored car and the fast car and the new car and the side-by-side -side and the thing with the apples all over it and this, the guns and the prints and the clothes and we could just keep going. All these, we make an idol out of our stuff. We give them the best of who we are. We make an idol out of sex. We make an idol out of money. I don't need to explain those. You already know that. We make an idol out of physical appearance. Sometimes it's our own physical appearance. Sometimes it's other people's physical experience, appearance. We make an idol out of entertainment. Like this may be the unforgivable sin in our culture right now is to let somebody get bored. <laughs> Heaven forbid somebody gets bored. That's like the unforgivable sin. I mean, I ain't even got time to go through the drive-thru without figuring out what's on Instagram. Who could sit through a... A whole, red, you want me to go through a whole red light without picking up my phone? Are you kidding me? I gotta be entertained. We make an idol out of fame. I mean, there's not a kid, there's not a kid alive right now who doesn't wanna be a TikTok influencer, a YouTube star. And it's not just the kids. This is why you care about all the juicy gossip of every famous person, because we idolize fame. This took me about two minutes to come up with this list. And we could just keep going. This is, this is it. And maybe the greatest idol that's popped up in the last ah, 10 years, maybe 15, is we've made an idol out of our ideologies. Like we make an idol out of our ideologies. Specifically our political ideologies. These have become the current modern religion in our culture. Our ideologies are the religion of our day. They are used, our ideologies become the measure by which we determine who is righteous and who is not. If they believe with us, they're righteous. If they're on the other side, they are unrighteous. These ideologies produce for us saviors that we can follow who are gonna save us from the wicked people on the other side. We donate to them our money and our time. We engross ourselves in the apologetics of our congregations so that we can fight the wrong interpretations of our adversaries. We use whatever platforms that we have, whether our bumper stickers, our news feeds, our social media pages, our dinner table, we use those platforms to convert, to evangelize, others to our tribe. We raise our kids as disciples of the doctrine of our ideologies. We pronounce judgment on those who refuse to repent and believe what we're preaching. Our ideologies are the, are the cultural church. It's the greatest idol of 21st century America. And you just need to know that God is not interested in playing second fiddle to your politics. 
And I don't care which side you come down on. But like many of us, that's what these people have done. They've, they aren't interested in giving the creator all the glory and worth and value and attention and esteem that he deserves. Instead, we're gonna dump it on created things. Therefore, here's the consequence of that, God gave them over. This is a terrible phrase. You do not want this to happen to you. God gave them over. They gave God over. They gave God over. Instead of worshiping God, I'll worship this created thing. And so when they gave God over, God says, well, if that's what you want, then you can have it. And God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to, be, to sexual impurity and the degrading of their bodies with one another. Idolatry almost always leads to sexual immorality. We'll see that again next week. God gave them over. They exchanged. Here's another exchange. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. It wasn't that they didn't know the truth. It's that they exchanged it. I'll, I'll pick something else. I'll trade it in. I'll swap it out. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. You want to know, you wanna know what, what you're really worshiping? Look at what you're serving. Real worship always leads to service. You will leverage your life for the thing that you're worshiping. It will come with actions every single time. Whatever you worship, you will serve. It will get your time. It will get your energy. It will get your muscles. It will get your mind. Whatever you worship, you will serve. It will always come out in an action. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served. That's how you know it's real worship. Created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. They exchanged the glory of an inglorious God. For, I'm sorry, for a ever glorious God for inglorious idols. They exchanged it. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Instead of receiving the truth that God has revealed about himself in creation and in their conscience, they suppressed it and rejected it and replaced it with a God that they could make or elect. They substituted, swapped out, traded it for a created thing instead of the creator who is forever praised, who is forever praised, not will be forever praised, is forever praised, has been from the beginning, will be forevermore. One day, one day, all of these things that we have given ourselves to, that we've poured out our glory to, one day, all of these things that we have worshiped and served with our time and our money and our energy and our adoration, all of these things one day will fade away. And all of them, all of these idols, they will be exposed and disposed. And we will all worship the one true God. We will all worship the one true God. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, whether we do it voluntarily or because we're made to. 
you will eventually worship the one true God with all of the glory that he deserves. So here's the takeaway for us today. One simple application. Got one question for you. What are your idols? Like, what are you pouring out your glory and worth and esteem and value? What's at the top of the list for you? What are your idols? Where are you worshiping and serving created things above the creator? Let me give you some filters to help you answer this question. Let me give you four things that it will help you figure out what your idols are. Here's the first one is your time. Where does your time go? What, what you're giving your time to the most will help you realize what, you, what you're worshiping the most. Who gets your time? What gets your time? Here's the second one. Where does your money go? Where does your money go? Again, your money will tell you what's most important to you. You will serve your idol. Where does your money go? You pull out your checkbook and you can tell what's important to you. Third one, what do you dream about? Like when you're just sitting around and you're thinking about the next thing that's just gonna bring you joy and make you happy and fulfill you, what is it? What do you sit around dreaming about? Is it a spouse? Is it a kid? Is it being kidless? Is it the next vacation? The next promotion? Where does your mind drift when you wonder what can bring me joy? Chances are that's an idol because you're trying to seek from a created thing the thing that only can come from the creator. Last one is what do you worry about? I think personally this is the greatest one of all of them. Like you tell me what you worry about most and I'll tell you what you idolize most. You worried about your health? That tells me that you idolize this life. Like, I gotta stay here as long as I can. If I get sick and die, it would be terrible, so I gotta be healthy because you idolize this. If that's what you're worried about the most, is what you idolize the most. You worried about your kids? Is that the thing that consumes you all the time? What if I lose them? What if they get sick? What if this thing happens? I put my kids on the top of the list of the things I worry about. It's probably because I've made an idol of my kids. None of these things are bad things. Your kids, your job, your money, your, your health, none of these are bad things. They are good things as good gifts from God, but we often take the good things of God and we create, we take good things, make them God things, and that's a bad thing. You take a good thing and you make it a God thing. You put it as the first and foremost in your life. That's a bad thing. And it comes with consequences. You tell me what you worry about, I'll tell you what your greatest idol is. When was the last time that your greatest worry was, I want to honor God with everything I got? That's what I wake up worrying about. How do I do that today?
We've got to figure out what is it in our hearts? Where have we exchanged the truth of God for a lie? Where have we worshiped and served created things above the creator? Let's pray collectively as a church for God to reveal our idols so that we can put them to death. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for your word that convicts us, that reminds us of the truth. We serve a creator. We will answer to him one day. And we can choose right now to believe the good news that there's a righteousness, not by what we have done, but what you have done. It comes by faith that changes our life. So use your word by the power of your spirit to change us into the likeness of Christ. And it's his name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.